By downloading or listening to this podcast, you are agreeing to Moody's legal terms and conditions found at moody's.com slash disclaimer, including that the information provided is not investment or financial advice, and that Moody's will not be liable for losses arising from your use of the information. Hello, and a very warm welcome to another episode of Emerging Markets Decoded, the podcast that tackles the latest trends shaping the world of emerging markets. I'm your host for today, Thaddeus Best from Moody's Global Emerging Markets team, coming to you from London. Now, China's real estate market is in the spotlight as one of the country's largest developers, China Evergrande Group, experienced a serious liquidity crunch over the summer, leading the developer to miss coupon payments on one of its bonds in late September and creating shockwaves across local equity markets. Construction and real estate has been an integral part of the Chinese growth model, with real estate directly and indirectly accounting for around a quarter of GDP, helping to fuel very high levels of real GDP growth over the last decade. However, the rapid expansion of the sector has also led to oversupply issues, with enough empty property constructed to house almost 90 million people, according to some third-party estimates. Moreover, structural headwinds in the form of slow migration from rural to urban centers and the decline in China's birth rate pose growing challenges to the absorption of this oversupply. So, what impact will Evergrande's financial troubles have on the property sector and banks in China? And what possible spillovers could there be to the rest of the world? To help answer these questions, I'm joined by my colleagues Gary Lau from our corporate finance team and Michael Taylor from our credit strategy and research team. Gary, Michael, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Thaddeus. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for inviting me. So, Gary, why is Evergrande creating global headlines? Yeah, Thaddeus, as you point out, Evergrande is one of the top three property developers in China. And with total asset of over 350 billion US dollars in 2020. So it is a huge property company, even by global scale. It has grown rapidly in the last decade, riding on the booming residential property market in China. And the growth is mostly funded by debt. But of course, the tightening measures since late last year imposed by the government to control the high leverage in the sector and the rapid escalation of property price leading to the liquidity crunch for Evergrande. So you ask why Evergrande is creating global headlines. Well, it is one of the most, if not the most, indebted property companies in the world. It had over 300 billion US dollar liabilities at the end of June. In addition to that, it is the largest issuer in Asian high-yield bond market and one of the top 10 high-yield issuer globally in Moody's rated universe. Who's most exposed then? A large number of institutional investors, both domestic and international, as well as retail investors, are either holding its shares, bonds, or wealth management products. Also, a large number of banks have exposure to Evergrande and its property projects, directly or indirectly. With such a scale, no matter you measure from revenue, total debt, or bond outstanding, any adverse corporate development, including its recent financial distress, have drawn a high level of attention from the market, not just in China, but globally. Given the scale of Evergrande in the equity and debt capital markets, what impact is this having on credit conditions in the broader property sector in China? We could look at the impact from a short-term and long-term perspectives. In the short term, we expect severe headwind in the next 6 to 12 months, as we reflect in our decision to revise the sector outlook to negative from stable in early September. Certain Evergrande troubles are likely to trim the economic growth, 
and possibly a real estate market may not recover as strongly as in previous cycle. And the prolonged slowdown in the property market in weigh on sales. We already see that happen in the last two months with sales drop a double-digit percentage, which will in turn weaken the developers' operating cash flow and credit profile. As a result of that, we will expect to see greater risk aversions in the credit market and also intensify credit polarizations, given the expectation that the regulatory tight measures are unlikely to ease in the near term. Again, this background, the industry consolidation will likely accelerate with the financially sound developer taking over the weaker one. As we highlight in our various research in the past, that the high leverage in the sector is a risk and constrain the property developer ratings. With the tightening government measures to cap the leverage growth in the sector, we expect the leverage position will improve over time. And the urbanization and demand for improving living standards will also support housing demand in China in the long term. So, despite the short-term headwind of challenges, we see a long-term stable development for the sector. What is the impact on credit conditions for other private-owned companies and, and non-financial companies more broadly outside of Evergrande? The primary transition channel for the problem of Evergrande will be through the potential impact on the real economy, particularly the real estate sector and industry in its supply chain. For corporate outside the property sector, Evergrande failure to honor trade payables to its suppliers could weaken the financial condition, disrupt the supply to the market, and increase the risk of default. Production activities and revenue growth of supply of property sector, including construction materials, would likely soften too. Of course, we are mindful of the potential credit spillover in the near term, which will lead to some deterioration in the funding conditions for Chinese private-owned enterprise in particular. Given the government's incentive to minimize systemic risk, Evergrande's default is less likely to trigger a credit crunch than to expedite flight to quality in our will. Michael, I'd like to bring you in here. What impact does the credit stress at Evergrande have on the financial sector? As far as the financial institutions are concerned, the largest banks in China are well capitalized. They have a lot of loss absorbing capacity. We don't see that they're greatly exposed to losses as a result of problems in Evergrande and they can absorb whatever losses. Are likely to occur. There are some smaller banks, particularly regional banks and some of the smaller joint stock banks, which are more exposed to Evergrande, and also trust companies. And I think it's around 40% of Evergrande's liabilities takes the form of trust loans. And those, of course, are extended by shadow banks. So there are some financial institutions that are exposed to Evergrande. However, I think it's worth bearing in mind that the core of the Chinese financial system is relatively well insulated against problems from Evergrande. So we don't see it leading to financial system instability. You've somewhat answered my next question there, but I'm thinking about the potential economic implications of this event. What are we likely to see here? I mean, is there a risk that this could even lead to a deterioration in sovereign credit quality? There are two main transmission channels in which the problems in Evergrande could spill over. One of them is through the financial sector, and as I've explained, we don't see that as being a major transmission channel. The other, which Gary's already talked about to some extent, is the spillover to the real economy. And there, we need to bear in mind, as you mentioned in your intro, that the property market, together with the upstream and downstream industries that are parts of its supply chain, so construction, cement, steel, heavy machinery, and so on, if you add all that up, it's around 25% of China's GDP. It's a significant contribution to 
China's GDP, and it's been a significant contribution to China's GDP growth over the years. So if you have problems in the real estate market, then they inevitably spill over in terms of GDP growth. So given all that, and, and given the significance of the real estate sector, how do we think the Chinese government will respond to this crisis? We think that the Chinese government has the tools to be able to offset any economic slowdown that's likely to occur. They have significant policy headroom, both monetary policy and fiscal policy, with which to bolster the economy if we started to see a significant economic slowdown. So what does it mean beyond China? We've seen this spillover effect into the US dollar high yield bond market. Is that a, an overreaction or do you think we're likely to see a deepening of these stresses over time? I suspect it wasn't entirely down to Evergrande alone. There were several other things going on at that time. There were concerns about the resurgence of inflation in major economies, the US debt ceiling negotiations ongoing. And then on top of all that came Evergrande. And I think that contributed to a lot of the volatility that we saw in financial markets. To the extent that Evergrande is responsible for some spillover into financial markets, I suspect it's down to concerns about a possible growth slowdown in China. And that would obviously have implications across a wide range of markets, not just financial markets, but also commodities markets as well, of course. But our view is that while there may be some shaving of growth in China as a result of Evergrande and a number of other events that are happening in China at the moment, we expect to see growth in China a little bit lower in 2022 than we'd previously forecast. We don't expect to see a major slowdown. So I would expect that once the situation becomes a bit clearer uh, in terms of how the Chinese government plans to handle Evergrande, that uh, financial market volatility will subside somewhat, at least as far as Evergrande itself is concerned. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today, Gary and Michael. Thank you for joining us on the Emerging Markets Decoded podcast. And for those interested in keeping up to speed with our latest views across all emerging markets, you can visit our dedicated Emerging Markets Hub for the very latest research, podcast, and interactive webinars at em.moody's.io. You can also subscribe to Moody's Talks, Emerging Markets Decoded, on your favorite podcast channels, including Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. And please do share your reviews, comments, and suggestions for future episodes. Until next time, stay safe, and thanks for joining us. Thank you.